and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. How, how many of you are glad you're here this morning? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you're here. During COVID, nobody showed up. I don't know where you guys were, but I was here, but you weren't. <laughs> it's because we made you stay home. It's the first time ever I made people stay home. You cannot come. But thankfully, that didn't last long, right? And thankfully, we all covered, recovered and made it through it. And um, it's good to be here. And so, anyway... Everybody, yesterday at the party, everybody kept telling me how tan I look. I look normal to me, so I don't, I don't know. I guess I must look tan, but so far we haven't had much sun this summer, so it's a miracle, right, that I'm, that I'm tan. But I'm, I have Portuguese in my skin, so it's basically my skin tans. Really, anyway, get off of that. I did tell my mom when I was a kid, she scrubbed me in a tub one day, and she's scrubbing me so hard, getting all the dirt off, right? And I said, if you don't stop rubbing me so hard, you're going to rub my tan off. The funny thing kids say. Um, so this morning, I, this morning I, I went out in the garden. I was uh, picking some of the sweet peas because the vines have already pretty much died from so much rain. So I was picking the sweet peas off the vines and and uh, I, I hear my wife up on the deck by the house going, Hun! Hun! I said, what, what is she saying? She goes, A bear! <laughs> right behind me, you know, more than <laughs> 15 yards away or whatever. is like, oh, hi there. He's just meandering along. It's not the first bear we've seen in our yard, but. I'm glad he was only looking for something to eat and not someone. <laughs> oh. It's fun watching these uh, Jonathan's grandkids run him all around this morning. He's. So much energy. Worship off the charts today, just incredible. Prayer room, amazing. We got there early in the prayer room this morning. Everybody got prayed over and got a good drink in the Holy Ghost. And, man, it just felt good. I, I, I got really, although, like I said during worship, I have to calm down. I was a little, get a little radical. Uh, but you know what? It's like the Lord is such a good giver. And he's so faithful to give himself to us and his presence. And we don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. All we have to do is just put off, man. My granddaughter, right? I, I, my granddaughter, I heard her. We, ha, we, had, we were watching them at the house. And I, I heard her singing at the top of her voice. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> it's like I'm hearing this girl singing. It's like, oh, man, there's a message in that. You know, sometimes we just have to let go of the stuff that's trying to weigh us down and hold us down. We have to let go. It's a choice that we have to make. We can keep hanging on to the stuff if we want. And then we can walk around and just be sad and sorrowful and miserable and, 
and want to make everybody else sad and sorrowful and miserable. Or we can just let go. Just let it go. Let go of it. It's like, it's like the gospel. You know, it's like Paul said. Put off the old man and put on the new. You've got to let something go in order to get something on. Right? So the other day, uh, the other night, Friday night, we had our leaders gather together at our house, and we were having a, a good time of prayer meeting and just sharing testimonies with each other and everything. And I, I felt, I felt like there was this, the presence of God was in in our room, and I felt the joy of the Lord really come in. And so I talked to the team, and I said, you know, tonight has been kind of like. The old hymn that, that I remember singing, Joy Unspeakable. And so I asked, how many of you have ever heard that hymn? And not a single one of them raised their hands. So how many of you have heard that, that hymn? Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory. Okay, there's a few of you in here. Um, I'm going to get to that in a little bit later, but I, I don't want to lose my place here. Uh, Revelations chapter 2, 7. Now, Reading through, uh, I've been reading through Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 about the seven churches. And my, my whole life I grew up in a, in a church that really believed um, man couldn't, people couldn't really accomplish all that God gave them to do. So they had to repent all the time. You just had to always repent and confess and repent, confess and repent. And you were always expected to do something bad that you needed to repent of because, because you couldn't do anything right. And so... Basically, there were songs that we sang and various other things that we used to sing. And some of them, like Joy and Speaker, were just great, great songs. Some of them were like, you know, such a worm as I, and you're expected to just have a worm-quality life, you know, and, and just survive the best you could. And so reading through Revelations 2 and 3, I grew up hearing uh, the, the major emphasis on the seven churches uh, as I was a kid, and my experience was always to hear about what they needed to repent of. You know what I mean? It's like those letters that that John wrote to the seven churches, and they start out with, you need to repent, 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 repent. And that was the emphasis that was always stressed and and always strained, that the churches needed to repent. They always needed something to repent of. And there's all all but one out of the seven churches that that is written to, to repent. And um, so I went through uh, reading through the Revelations 2 and 3, and... I wanted to. I wanted to say something. The Lord really opened my eyes to understand something about about His goodness and who He is and His faithfulness. And every single church, He had a promise for them. It was not just repent, be mournful for the state that you find yourself in, but it was, I have something good for you. And so I wanted to share those with you. I'm not, I'm not neglecting the repentance aspect of things. But I want to just be able to share with you that, that God doesn't see his church in a place where they always need to repent. Because they're never quite making it to where they should be. To where he's expecting them to be. All right? I, I feel like I, I, this is a good note to just... Say something. You guys, in God's eyes, 
are his treasure on the earth. And you carry the hope of glory inside of you. And let me tell you, the world needs some hope. People need hope today. If they don't know any better, they're sitting in front of CNN all day long. And they're getting information given to them that isn't filled with much hope. Oh, man, maybe a lot of you are sitting in front of CNN all day. I don't know, but it's like there's some better things to watch, that's for sure. And uh, even if it's any news channel, whatever the news channel might be, there, um, I, I heard back years ago a preacher say, bad news sells. And you just follow the money. And, and that's kind of like what happens. But the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he has good news for you and he has good news for me. So I'm just going to go through these, okay? Uh, the, first, the first promise. Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now it's important. This sentence is very important because he says this to every single church. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the, mid, in the midst of the paradise of God. To him who overcomes, I will give. Now, look at the person next to you, because I don't think, I, I think that flew over some of your heads. Look at the person next to you and say, you're an overcomer. Let them know, you're an overcomer. You are. You know, we all are. It's like that song we were singing, he won't fail, he won't fail, he won't fail. And, I, and I, we were going to that over and over again. I'm thinking, we won't fail. We won't fail because we're in him. And he's in us. So he won't fail. And he gives to us that we won't fail. Have you guys ever felt like a failure? Huh? You ever felt like a failure? You ever felt like a failure? Like, you know, I have. I felt like a failure yesterday. Uh, I felt really encouraged this morning that I must be doing something right because the bear didn't eat me. <laughs> bear comes out of the woods. I would have killed him with my bare hands anyway. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, David did, Fran. Supernatural things happen to godly people. You're not going to fail. Because you don't have a failure living inside of you. Oh, man, that's a good word. You know what? That's a good word. It's like, good word. Uh, the second thing, Revelation 2, no, the second church. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. This interest, second death is a very interesting thing. Because the second death is actually a permanent death. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. I think it's amazing that John gets this revelation from Jesus Christ in this verse, 2.11, and he says to this particular church, who, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. By the way, the seven churches, there's a whole 
eschatology thing on that to where it just gets into dispensationalism and, you know, literal churches, seven literal churches and all this other stuff. And to me, it's like, just take, take what's yours. All right. And I think in all seven churches, there is this statement, he who overcomes, let him, whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear. And there are promises that we can actually take to ourselves. We get to take these because we are part of the church that Jesus Christ ordained to walk upon the face of the earth. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, second death is actually, it's talking about the physical death. Because the first death is when Jesus Christ was crucified. And the epistle says we all died in Christ. With him when he was crucified. That was our first death. So the second death is a physical death that will not hurt us. You do not have to fear death. I, that, that's good news to me. I, you know, I, to me, it's like when Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. He was talking about everlasting life without an interruption of death. That's good news. Some of you young people do, oh, whatever, you know. Some old grandpa up there telling us all this stuff. And it's like, you know what? Hey, let me tell you something. You get to be my age. The end of the road looks a little closer than it is when you're 20. (laughs) So to me, the fact that I can tell myself, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live forever. It's a consolation. It's a consolation to me. I'm at that age where it's a very deep consolation. You know, my, uh, my mom is going through something. We just uh, buried Lynn's dad in December. My mom's going through some stuff right now. I don't know how much longer she's got. And it's like, that woman, I'll tell you, even though her mind is, is fractured and gone, she's got uh, Alzheimer's and she's just disappearing on us in front of our eyes, she still sings the old hymns. She's still happy. She's still got the joy of the Lord. I'm having conversations with her last time I was out, and she's, she's talking like loony stuff, like, you know, you couldn't understand what she was saying. Then all of a sudden, she starts pointing finger and preaching. Start scripture, preaching, and just preaching right to me. I, she thought I was her boyfriend, but she's preaching right to me. <laughs> and I, I, I can laugh about this because I know my mom is going to die. She's going to pass this earth, yes. And they're going to put her body in the ground, yes. But she is going to live forever. I'm going to see her again in heaven, along with all my other relatives, the ones I've known and the ones I don't know. And we're going to have a good family reunion because we're going to be laughing a lot up there, I'll tell you that. My, my grandma, Myers, when she used to laugh, it was, ah, <laughs> she'd roll her head back and make this big laugh. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. The third church. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Man, that's a good promise. It's like, you know, we're going to get a new name when we get there. I like my name. I do. 
I didn't like it when I was younger. I always think my parents would have named me something else. Because, you know, growing up in elementary school, kids can do all kinds of things with names. Right? Daryl the Barrel. That was... Daryl the Barrel. There's worse things that could be said. I'm sure maybe some of you recall that. But I was like, why did they name me Daryl, you know? And on top of that, Daryl was not that popular when I was a kid. I was the only Daryl in my school. That's strange. You know, why couldn't they call me Dan or Tim? Something more common, you know? <laughs> a white stone with a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And I, I, I look at this promise, and I think this is so accurate to who Jesus is. Because he knows us personally. He deals with us personally. And yet he knows us corporately, and he deals with us corporately. And it's like there's this inclusion that we all get to have in him. Where, wow, anywhere we go. You know, I could be driving down the road in my car and have a conversation with him, and I, I know he's right there in the car because he's right there in me. And everywhere I go, he's there. Always to speak to and always to hear from. Always to be shown things. This morning we looked out the window, we saw a baby fawn and a doe in our yard. Saw a bear in our yard, and we had a house, house guest. A bird flew in through our window. <laughs> it's, it's like, what a morning. <laughs> so Lynn comes in mind in the living room, and she comes in, and she says, there's a bird in the house. Hurry, get it out. Be gone in Jesus' name, you know. It's, I've got a bear behind me, a deer and a fawn in front of me, and a bird flying around in my house. And it's like, I, I looked at her and I said, what do you suppose God's trying to tell us this morning? Nature's acting strange. No. So it's a, it's a beautiful promise written, which no one's received as a personal detail, but it's also the hidden manna to eat. I, I thought about the hidden manna to eat. And that speaks more of like now. That speaks, that's a now word for us. We get hidden manna to eat. Words from the Lord that will not perish. Where, you know, it's like what Jesus said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We get these hidden nuggets. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. Okay, next church. Revelations two twenty-five to 28. But hold fast to, that, to what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations, as I also have received from my Father. And I will give him the morning Star. Wow. Now, I like how this starts, but hold fast to what you have till I come. Which indicates no matter where you are, no matter what you've been given, no matter what you're going through, hold fast. Fast until he comes. 
They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Hold fast. Wait until he comes. And he's coming. He's coming. And he's here. He's here. And he's moving. He is moving. Last week's fire tunnel was a blast, but then we had a hoot. Hadn't had a roadblock in a fire tunnel in quite a while. And I couldn't wait to hear the testimony of what God was doing in you. And he said, I heard the voice, and the voice of the Lord was telling me, do my will. As I came to do the will of the Father, do my will. Well, that would be enough to put me down on the floor, that's for sure. So we had a good party in the cafe before church started, hugged each other and just rejoiced in that, the goodness of God. He who overcomes keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. Over the nations. Over the nations. Uh, I think it was probably around 2016, 2015, 2016, we started getting into Exosia. I think it was around that time. And uh, we talked to my good friend Marios, who's uh, a Cypriot, and they speak Greek. And he was telling me what the translation of that means in the Greek and what the literal translation of exousia means in the Greek, which is a Greek word, exousia. Little translation means to reign over things from above. So basically, we get to reign over the nations from above. In other words, we get to see the destiny of the nations as God sees the destiny and speak that destiny to the nations, to our nation. We get to speak that destiny. Look, I, I, know, it can be, I know it can be really confusing to look in the natural and see things in the natural that you and I know better and know shouldn't be. Okay, But at the same time, you and I have a promise that we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places and that we get to rule from above. And this promise right here tells us that if we overcome, he's going to give us power over the nations. And this is how you overcome. By the blood of the lamb, by the word of the testimony, and by not loving your life so much unto death. That's how we overcome. We overcome by his testimony. We're going to overcome this nation by his testimony. Recently, there's been a a large emphasis on what church really should be about. And there's uh, some talk about the institutionalized church and how it's all gone wrong and it's not right. And that the early church met in homes. And so there's this movement called home home church movement, which... um, it's not anything new under the sun. I mean, it, when I was a kid, I can remember, you know, people thinking meeting in homes was more holy and spiritual than people meeting in a building together. Okay? So it's not anything new. And I've grown up with it. I understand it. I, I kind of, like, get the logic behind it. And I feel like, you know what? It doesn't matter whether it's in a home or it's in a building. When God's people get together, it's God's people getting together. It's not the place that is the emphasis. It is the hearts of who's coming into that place. That is the emphasis. That's what's important. That's what's always been important. 
And as a matter of fact, the early church did not start in a home. It started in the upper room. 120 people were in there. That's not a home. That was in the, that was in the temple area in Solomon's colonnade when they were gathered together. The reason they started meeting in homes was because persecution broke out. They, they could no longer meet in the synagogues. They could no longer meet in the buildings. They were being hunted down by the law. So they met in home to go into secret so that they wouldn't be found. I have nothing against home. We started our church 35 years ago in a home, in a basement of a duplex. Fun meetings. We had, we had good times. Well, we have fun meetings today, and we have good times. Do you understand? It, it, it's, it's about Jesus, and it's about the heart of his people connecting to Jesus. It doesn't matter where they are. They could be in a home. They could be, they could be in a cave. They could be, like, in a shelter, a, a refugee's shelter. I'll get to that in a minute. Power over the nations. Okay, the next one is Revelations 3, 4 to 5. It says, You have a few that have not soiled their garments, and he who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments, and I will not blot his name from the book of life. This is a good promise to have, especially if you're worried you're blowing it all the time, and, you know, it's quite possible God is going to blot your name out because you blow it so much. It's like, this is a promise. I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I don't think anybody in here, anybody in here want to be blotted out from the book of life? I, I didn't think so. Well, it's the same for anybody else. It's like nobody else wants that either. So if you're thinking people are going to get blotted out of the book of life, change your thinking. It's, it's, it's just the wrong way to be thinking about others. Okay, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Wow. I remember you know, preaching in New England has been fun for all these years. It really has. Uh, I, 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 I actually, you know, I, I preach as a youth pastor in a West Fitchburg Methodist church over in Fitchburg. And um, I, I think my sermons were really, I don't know. That's been happening to me lately, too. My own phone will start talking to me. I guess, I, I guess my S's are starting to sound like Siri or something. No, shut off, Siri. I'm not talking to you. Uh, I, I think my, I think some of my sermons were pretty corny, and, and they probably were. I, I was young. I was naive. I didn't know how to really speak in public. I hadn't been doing it like I have been for all these years. And um, I can remember people coming up to me, correct me. A lot of correction, you know. And they would come up and correct me, make sure I, I got it right the next time. And so <laughs> I've had that happen even even now. You know, I've had uh, good old New Englanders want to make sure I'm saying everything right and make sure I'm doing my word right. And they've never pastored, never spoke publicly, but they know how to let me do it. And uh, it's just funny to me. And I, I feel like there's there's this uh, comment that I made one time about our worthiness. You know, you know where Paul talks about communion? He says, do not drink this in an unworthy manner. Do you know what he's really speaking about in that unworthy manner? It's not about how sinful you think you are or how many bad things you've done. It's where you actually think you deserve to take communion. 
That's an unworthy matter. I'm quite aware that, I, well, I should say this for myself. For myself, I'm quite aware I, don't, I didn't get anything from God that I deserve. I got everything I didn't deserve. His goodness, his presence, his promises. They go beyond anything I could ever earn. I got that from him. So this promise, we are worthy, is a statement that God is making to show us who he sees us as. We are worthy. We're not unworthy. And I remember preaching that years ago in a message, and someone came up and corrected me and said, No, we are unworthy people. We don't deserve anything God gave us. We are worthy, unworthy. We, don't des- we should not be looking at ourselves as worthy. I said, well, I... I just, I looked at him and I said, well, that's how Jesus looks at us. He sees us as worthy. You know what else is a mind blower? He sees us as blameless. Whoa! Well, it does. Read your Bible. It's in there. (laughs) The next promise. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. Don't let anybody steal your crown. You got a crown. You have been crowned, clothed in righteousness. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you are spotless. You are looking so spotless today. Your skin's glowing. You got so much glory in you. (laughs) Go ahead, you shy people. Talk to each other. Come on. (laughs) Ah, You're glowing. Put a veil over your face. Hold fast, you have no one take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him a new name. Man, that's a good promise. You know what? That's a good promise. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, and I will also overcome. I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Dining with Jesus. Only imagine what that's about, right? Dining with Jesus. You know, you're sitting down at the table, and there he is right there next to you. Smile on his face, looking at you. Say, hey, how you doing today? How's it going? Have you put on the garment of praise yet? How's it going for you today? See, the testimony of God is that he trains those that he loves. And he gives us things that we don't deserve so that we can't claim ownership to what he's given us other than he's given it. But I've been a saint for 55 years and I've earned all that I've gotten in God. Really good luck with that. Really just have have fun with that. I doubt anybody's really like that.
And he talks about holding fast the faith. Hold fast to your faith. Listen, there's, I, I'm fully aware of spirits that are manifesting today. It's, it's so obvious. You'd have to be blind not to see that there's something behind the scenes trying to disrupt humanity from stepping into its destiny with God. And yet, at the same time, you just have to hold fast, hold fast to your faith. Don't lose your faith based on what others are doing and others are saying. You know, when you read the scripture and you see something you don't understand, don't lose your faith over it. Keep your faith. Hold fast. Stay strong. God's not finished with He's not finished with me yet. He's not finished with you yet. There's there's no one in here who, who does everything right. There's a, a scriptures, uh, two scriptures in, in Revelation in these churches where God says he commends them for hating the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Yeah, as, a, as a kid, I used to read that scripture and I used to get offended with that scripture. Because my name is Nicolette. And I used to think, oh my God. God hates my deeds. I'm a Nicolaitan. It's funny what people can do. How how the word of God can be used against against you. It's like Satan who's the Lucifer standing at the tree. How he used God's words to try to twist Adam and Eve. I really I was worried about it am I a part of the Nicolaitans is that my descendants my descendants were Nicolaitans and I got named Nicolette because they transferred it from Nicolaitan to Nicolette you know you're going through all this stuff in your head right it's all I'm, I'm being honest all this stuff's going through me as I'm reading the scriptures as a kid I was on fire in junior high man I mean I was I led worship in the youth group, and I, I did, led Bible studies, and I was just really on fire. That scripture stumbled me, man. It caused me to just stumble. My gosh. My... And then you hear all the sermons of how bad you are and stuff, and it scares you. Hold fast to faith. It, it, don't let anybody talk you out of what God has given you. No, and I don't care if they're a preacher. I don't care if they're... Your spouse, I don't care who they are, do not let anyone take your crown. Don't, don't let anyone cancel out your faith. Hold fast to faith. And there is a spirit today of atheism that is in our land. It's beginning to crumble. I already see it in the spirit. It's beginning to crumble. Hold fast to faith. This stuff can't last. I, I know of, uh, you know, I mean, even C.S. Lewis was an atheist when he started and he converted. It's... Just because someone's an atheist doesn't give you a right to hate them or disown them. They're on a journey. Now, I had to look at this for people, you know, when we started doing treasure hunts years ago and looking for the treasure in people instead of looking at how unrighteous they were. We started looking for the treasure that was in them. Because there's a treasure in everybody. And it was a few years after that 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 I began to understand I, in fact, I heard someone say this. My my children, it was a speaker that I think we had in our house. My children aren't really walking with the Lord right now. They're working on their testimony. He says, I refuse to call them unbelievers. They're just working on their testimony. They're on a journey. That's a good way to look at people. And you pray them through the journey. 
Pray him into their testimony. I hope that helps someone. It helped me. Endure. Keep pure and humble. Overcome. He says, I will give. And there's no one here that can outgive God, is there? So, I told you I'd get back to this hymn. This is what it is. Joy unspeakable. This, the tune is so cute. Well, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half shall never be untold. Or as the half has never yet been told. So here's a couple of the verses. I have found his grace is all complete. He supplies every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free. Yes, free indeed. It is joy and speak. Okay. And I've found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing. I am saved from the awful gulf of sin. These promises to the seven churches, and I believe each of those churches, we can find ourselves represented in each one, a picture of us. And each promise that was given is ours to secure. He's not going to blot my name out of the book of life. If you want him to blot yours out, that's fine. But he's not going to blot mine out. Because I believe him. First Peter chapter 1. From Peter, an apostle of Jesus, the anointed one, to the chosen ones who have been scattered abroad like seed into the nations living as refugees. You know, that's the first church. They were refugees. I don't know, that's a pretty heavy scripture right there. You know, we, we see a lot of refugees Today, we hear a lot of illegal immigrants coming in the country and uh, immigrants, whatnot. It's like, you know what? Hey, God loves those people. The early, the early church were refugees scattered into the nations. They had no place to go, no home. They were running. They were being persecuted, hunted down. I, I really feel like we could have a really good ministry to refugees. I was reading this in Peter, and I was like, you know what? They're refugees. We're, we're one of the safe areas. What do they call it? Safety zone or sanctuary? Boston's one of the sanctuary cities. Massachusetts is a sanctuary state. How many Christians are in those refugees? How many fleed from a government that didn't want them there? Interesting question. Scattered abroad like seed into the nations living as refugees. To those living in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, which is all in Turkey, and throughout the Roman provinces of Asia, Bithynia, You are not forgotten. 
For you have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones, obedient followers of Jesus Christ, who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. May God's delightful grace and peace cascade over you many times over. Celebrate with praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life, and we are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We are reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's a really good promise. All you refugees out there, good promise. And so with that being said, with the inheritance we have, Psalm 61 says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Can you guys stand up at this time? I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap it up here. Hi, Carl. Uh, you know what? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening in prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. Oil of joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That they, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall rise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities of desolations of many generations. This is our calling. This is our destiny. We get to actually do this. We get to not just rule over nations in a way that we're the high and mighty dominant. But we get to actually bring the presence of God to the nations. We get to go into all the earth and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are called and have a destiny. To bring hope to those who are in prison, to those who are refugees, to those who need hope. And you, you're in those places. Everywhere you're going to go out this week, you're going to go to your workplaces, there are people all around you that need hope. They might not even look like it. They might look like they have everything they need. Uh, years ago when I used to work at a, a job in Fitchburg, one of the managers came up to me and he says, you know, he goes, you see me here, you know, and you know how I am. You know, I'm like cussing all the time and drinking all the time and doing all this stuff all the time, right? And he says, y you know that. But he says, what you probably don't know is that every night before I go to sleep, I lay in my bed and I talk to God. And let me tell you, I was shocked. I was shocked to hear that, but it just really emphasized something to me. We don't know where people are at. You might think you know by their observation, but you don't know where their hearts are at. They could be looking for you. They could be wanting you to give them a nugget of God.
I've told this story before too, I know, but it, it, it impressed me so much because it was such a shock to me when someone introduced their husband to me and I reached out and shook his hand. And I was just saying hi, shaking his hand. So that was the only thing that was in my heart. I didn't have like this idea, I'm going to impart God to this guy. But I was just shaking his hand, greeting him for the first time. He got back in his car and started crying. His wife said, what was that? I felt something when he shook my hand. <laughs> he got a kiss from God right on the spot. Awesome. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this house. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the faithfulness that's in this house. I thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do and what is to come. We're in for some good times, some good days. Lord, I'm so excited about what tomorrow holds because you hold tomorrow. And I just ask you, Father, for this house. I pray that they would just not partner. I pray that we would not partner with the negative that's all around us every day, but we would partner with you and we would partner with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you are our Savior, you are the Deliverer, and you came for this world. Now, just bless these people as they go this week, Lord. I don't know what they're going into. I have, I, I have, have no idea, but you do. And I pray you just bless them and let them know that you're walking with them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org. Thank you.